Hello, welcome to the Growing Design Podcast, where we help you grow your design agency. If you want to learn how to price your services, how to sell your expertise, and how to attract the right type of clients, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Ed Orozco. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Growing Design. Today, we have with us Zach Hill. Zach, can you introduce yourself for the audience? Sure. Uh, Yeah, my name is Zach Hill, and I am a UX strategist uh, with a company called Scorpion. Uh, been mostly based in Southern California, but we have a few offices all over and I've had previous agency experience and, uh, with other web design shops and been around a little bit, both UX design and now UX strategy. And, um, that's in, um, mainly in the Los Angeles area, right? Yeah. Where I'm currently working at, we're primarily kind of in the greater Los Angeles area, but we have locations and now people, because of the pandemic, we have people kind of spread out all over, um, kind of, you know, adjusting to the new work from home environment. But yeah, we're primarily, most of us are in Southern California. Yeah. Going remote. Mm -hmm. Um, Zach, you have, um, you have this, the Nielsen and Norman's group certification for UX design. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, why did you decide to take the certification? Uh, what was it about? And, um, what can you tell for, what can you tell designers that are considering taking the certification? Uh, yeah. So NNG is a Nielsen Norman group. And just in, just in my opinion, they're one of the strongest, you know, UX kind of law makers <laughs> um out there uh i just you know obviously uh, don norman jacob nielsen are kind of gurus in ux long before we even knew what ux even meant uh and then you know the people that work there is ux specialists and just know what they're doing and so they uh create a lot of research uh and a lot of articles that support their research but uh, they also do these certification courses and I was really interested in that because of the pedigree and because of the people who they have uh, employed. And I just wanted to learn from the best. So I uh, went through their program. Uh, it was UX management. So it wasn't really focusing so much on the design, but more on the strategy and the research side of things. Um, because it's kind of where my career has shifted over the last couple of years. So uh, some of the highlights were, you know, a lot of stuff on workshops, how to create a certain kind of deliverables that are going to make sense for your stakeholders or your clients, uh, high level processes. How can you connect UX design and UX strategy to solid business decisions, which I think is becoming more and more important in our field. Um, and it's a little expensive, but to me, it's not as expensive as some boot camps or, um, other things of that nature, but, that was probably the only downside, but I would I highly recommend it overall. Yeah, and this um, Nielsen and Norman is one of the most, in my opinion, reliable sources for UX knowledge. Um, they are they invest a lot in research, um, and like you said, they've been doing this since before UX was mainstream and like was a thing. So it's a it's a very trustworthy source of information not only if you want to get a certification but also to support um you know your research uh if you if you need secondary sources research um it's very recommended also you know 
Don Norman uh, wrote the the design of everyday things, which is like one of the most popular design books in the history of design books. And and um and Nielsen is just this UX guru. He's just yeah. um a very um he has a lot of authority in the in UX and usability. So that's very cool. Um, I so now you have Zach's recommendation. If you want to go and check it out, it's definitely worth it. Yep, <laughs> and you're gonna learn. You're gonna learn from the best. Um, so you you also mentioned something uh, that uh, really caught my my attention is that the certification is very focused on business outcomes and what's going to like what's the business side of what we're doing instead of like how we make things pretty is how we solve how do we solve a business problem um can you like uh talk about that a little bit yeah you know as as i've kind of evolved in my career the the business side of things have become more and more important and to towards my deliverables and outcomes and just everything I do in a day-to-day basis. And it really should be more of a thing for designers in general, to your point, you know, making pretty things to me, maybe just a quarter of, I think what a good designer should be focusing on. So, I mean, there's some basic stuff that I think UX designers just could understand is I think you brought it up Ed. you know, just making sure you're solving a problem. I know you, you see a lot of that in social media and that's a cliche because it's true in my opinion, right? Um, if you're just trying to make things look cool, that's only going to get you so far. Um, and one thing I would add to this too, is that I think another aspect to this that's becoming more and more important is just the understanding of analytics and data and how that coincides with the business goals and the needs of the user. And I think data is a great bridge between the two. And that's something I try to focus on day in and day out with the stuff that I do. Yeah. Um, do you feel like, because for me, it seems that developers have understood this concept of um, what's the business outcome for way before than designers. I always feel like the developers are one step ahead of designers in, in a lot of they things. They probably are. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, we, we sort of we sort of catch up, but things like how do you help the the business save money or uh, make more money or you know simplify this process through code, automate this process through code? Um, so I think the same mindset should be uh, part of the like sort of like the, the preparation and in the formation of a of a designer. Whether that's UX or visual design, it doesn't really matter. Ultimately, mm-hmm. they're all like different angles of the same thing. Um, that's just uh, something that I've that I've seen working with a lot of designers and developers in the industry. And and on that line of uh, thinking about the benefit for the client, um, I know you have uh, experience facilitating workshops for for many of your clients. Um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, I've been facilitating workshops for probably four years now. Um, all kinds of workshops, but I would say the foundational workshop that I focus on is a design sprint. And besides the design sprint, though, I'm sure we could talk about more about that later. Workshops is a great way to create clarity and alignment between you as a designer the business and the goals of the users. So everyone gets an opportunity to get on the same page. So a lot of the workshops I run day in and day out is usually around that kind of premise. Let's all get on the same page 
to solve the problems we need to solve, to make the users happy in the way we want to make them happy. Um, so yeah, there's all different kinds of workshops, obviously. Um, but yeah, I've been doing it for, for a long time now. And I just think it's, I would, if I, I joke at work, if I could replace every meeting with a workshop, I feel I've done my job. It's like my mission in life at this point. Well, and that's how that, much I believe in workshops. You should tweet that. <laughs> I, I think I might have before, and I think I should again. So, yeah. If someone asks me, what's, your, what's my mission? To replace every meeting with a workshop. Because they just work. I've never had a workshop not work so far. Not yeah. Uh, um, a couple of episodes ago, we had um, Steph Couchon on the, on the show. And he was mentioning uh, one of the things that came up during the conversation is that one of the reasons design sprints are so effective is that they organize the way in, in which people communicate because traditionally what they call the brainstorming is just people shouting ideas at each other. And then, the, you know, if you have a higher rank, you're gonna, everyone is gonna be like, oh yeah, your ideas are better. And, and in fact, it's not always like that. It's, it's um, I think it was Johnny Ive that said once, um, uh, often is the, is the quietest voice, uh, the one with the brightest idea. 100%. Yeah, on that note, I've always, you know, when I'm talking about selling workshops to stakeholders or wherever I'm, you know, talking to people, I always bring up some of the best ideas I've ever seen, no joke, have been from the junior developer or the intern marketer or, yeah, the junior UX designer. They have the solution that is the best one in the design sprint. It's not the hippo. It's not the highest paid opinion, right? Um, they're important. They need to make the decisions at the end of the day. But to your point, uh, brainstorming, in my opinion, is one of the worst inventions in the history of business meetings um, because it's just group think and whatever the leader says, we'll just do that. And there's just so many ideas left on the table when you just go and brainstorm. Yeah. Another cool thing about the sprints and I think workshops in general is that they bring people from different areas in the company. Um, So, you know, an idea coming, like you said, from marketing might seem like completely weird and bizarre for designers and developers, but might make a lot of sense from the business perspective. Yeah, no, exactly right. I think it goes back to something that I always preach and it's kind of a popular term, which UX is a team sport. And, you know, there's a lot of people that need to be involved in UX, in my opinion, and uh, workshops and design sprints, to your point, it is a great way to get all of those people in the room, the marketers, the salespeople, the engineers, the legal department, don't forget that, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, as a designer, you need to be okay to kind of let go of your process, your secret design process and let it and let other people be involved. And your product and your end result is just, just going to improve because of it. It's going to be served. Yeah, you mentioned the le- the legal team. Some folks might think that's funny. It ha- it's actually not. When you are working in business development and selling um, design projects to to clients, it's very important that you know what the legal procedures for your company or your agency are to make to you know save a lot of headaches uh, down the down the road. Um, things like um, what do we need to include in the contract? How do we um, manage extra work or you know how do we prevent scope creep from a legal um 
perspective. What can we include? What can we not include? What happens if there's a term, if we have to stop the project for whatever reason? Um, so it's no joke. It's not. I've seen, you know, fortunately it hasn't happened to me too much, but I've seen it happen nonetheless where a product gets stopped like two weeks before launch or an update because the legal department is like, nope, no, we can't do that. The product can't do this, can't do that. It can't say that. It can't say this. So yeah, go back to the square one. Now, wouldn't it have been better to just bring them in the room in the first place? That's what I advocate for. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I never thought about it, but yeah, the legal department can like make or break your uh, all your 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 work for months. Um, so talking again about about um, the benefit for clients. Hitting my microphone here. The benefit for for clients and the outcome for for businesses. Um, you have had the opportunity to do business development and take sales calls in the past for for some of the agencies you've um you've worked with. Um, can you tell us about how that experience has been? Yeah, fortunately, especially in the last agency I worked before Scorpion Toy, I was involved in a lot of sales conversations. Um, and just from my experience working in sales. I think it goes back to, I think, trying to kind of formulate my thoughts here. I think it starts with diagnosing the problem uh, in sales calls. That's what I was, that was the role I played when I was taking those sales calls. And um, as a result, I was asking questions to kind of create clarification for the problem they want to solve and just kind of see where they are at as a business. So going back to that kind of business analysis that you're talking about, Ed. So, I think a good salesperson in this business is focusing on diagnosing first, where I've noticed that a lot of problems focus on the, I see a lot of problems with salespeople in our industry focusing too much on the prescription. They're like, they want to, well, I'm going to make this awesome app or I'm going to make this awesome logo where they might not need any of that. You know, they need, because you weren't really focusing on the problem. You're just focusing on what you want to make them. So that, that's what I would recommend in sales. Focus on diagnosing first and seeing how you can really help. Yeah, that's um, that's something that I've noticed when we've hired people straight off these boot camps. Let's not mention any names, but uh, <laughs> they're they're really great at um, prescribing. They're really great mm-hmm. at, at you know pushing a the, uh, predetermined solution down the client's throat. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to do the wireframes and then we're going to do the visual design and then we're going to do the design system and here you go. Without actually being mindful of what's the direction that we need to take. Exactly. I don't I don't see that in the in the curriculum. I don't see that in in their in their sort of like education, which is a little it's something that worries me also because they are like, don't get me wrong, they're great programs and they manage to cram all of this knowledge that usually takes years to develop into, I think, six months is now. Yeah. Um, so it's great, but I do think if you're in an agency, if you're an agency owner or uh, or you are recruiting for your, for your design team, be mindful that that's a training that you're going to have to provide for yourself. Um because it's not something present in their in their program. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I don't want to do too much boot camp bashing either because I agree that they're they're doing more good than harm, in my opinion, at the end of the day, because I think UX education still there's still a lot left to be desired. 
but I think the overarching problem with boot camps is I think it, it kind of goes off of what you're saying, Ed, that they're, they have this kind of – they teach this very well-defined perfect process that really makes sense and looks really good, but that's just not real life. And I think uh, you see a lot of junior designers – especially kind of making this mistake of thinking they have to follow an exact process every single time where I think it's good to have that in your toolkit, but you have to be ready to be dynamic and under and fit your process around the problem that you're experiencing. Kind of going back to what you're saying, Ed, like I love processes. I'm a process nerd, but I also understand that sometimes I have to blow that process up and like, okay, we're going to have to have to do this instead X, Y, and Z because it's going to, help a b and c at the end of the day which is something that workshops actually help you uh with because the workshops are gonna like bring up uh the elements that's gonna that are gonna help you decide what's the direction that you need to take and a lot of times what happens is you realize oh we don't even need to do any wireframings like we already have this sort of like predetermined flows in the back end so let's just go and prototype something let's and then you just save a few months of work or a few weeks yeah yeah exactly i mean i think it goes back to how awesome the design sprint is you you know it's always it was easy for me to sell design sprints because like hey do you want to prototype and design and test it in five days who says no to that, right? It was really, it was really fun to sell them uh, because you're right. Yeah, there's you don't uh, there's certain parts of the process that you don't always have to follow. Sometimes you might need a bunch of wireframes, and that's great too. Um, but yeah, you gotta you gotta find the. From my experience, this is why I try to add to my process toolkit because you you have to match the right process and right technique or output with the again the problem you're trying to solve at the end of the day. Yeah. So um, we talked about asking a lot of questions, trying to diagnose what the problem is and try to connect the uh, whatever the business outcome needs to be with what designs can do, uh, designers can do or what design can do uh, to get there. Uh, so um, do you have any other tips when you're like taking sales calls? Is like, do you have like what was like uh, a particular experience that probably was like very enlightening for you when you were first coming as a designer and starting to do uh, sales calls and talking to clients for the first time? Oh man, what was enlightening to me? Sales is a job in itself. That was what was enlightening to me. That There's so much work that goes into sales, proposal building. I mean, you know this, Ed, obviously, like proposal building, going through rounds of RFPs, responding to RFPs, getting in the top three. Is it a cattle call? Is it not? You know, like that was the stuff I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, now I know why this is like, a, this is a thing. This is a job. So that was the most enlightening. Um, I can't think of like a specific experience. Um when it comes to sales, it was just knowing, just learning that this was a separate job and kind of, I, I was lucky enough to have a boss who really knew sales really well as, as well as design. So he taught me a lot of the ropes or I wouldn't know, I, I have any idea what I was doing at the end of the day. So I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but sales is, sales is tough. It's tough. It's a tough yeah, job. Um, it's great that you had someone that could offer that um, sort of mentorship for you because 
I don't think designers have any idea what of what sales is. Um, their designers are really great at their craft because most designers really love uh, design. But again, that's uh, sales and marketing is not something that designers are or most designers are well versed on. Um, so it, was, it is great that you had the opportunity to have someone, um, you know, helping you make that sort of transition. In your opinion, do you think to if you're part of an agency or you're um, yeah, let's say you're part of an agency, do you feel like it is necessary for the person taking sales calls to have a design formation, or do you feel like anyone coming from any other sales background can learn the concepts and the vocabulary and start selling design? That's a really good question. And I don't want to cop out and say either way can work, but in my heart, I think either way can work. I think it's easier to have a salesperson with a design background or an understanding of design to sell design for sure. But it goes back to what I was saying. I, Sales is such a, a challenging job in itself where I think if you have a really talented salesperson that doesn't know anything about design, but they're just really great at sales, I think they can make it work. Uh, so I know that's a non-answer, but I really do think both ways can work at the end of the day. Yeah, I I think it also depends. Like you said, some salespeople are really, really smart and they can yeah. like, learn very quickly. Um, I was just thinking... Yeah, some, some salespeople can sell very technical things, um, like, I don't know, specific parts from a very complex machine, or they can sell AI or things like that. I do think it's important for them to spend some time understanding the concepts. Mm, I um, agree with that. So that, you know, you need to, to be able to explain to a certain level of detail. And what I've seen happen sometimes is that during the sales process, the first stages are probably a, a, you know, a salespeople who's not a designer or doesn't have design training. And then later on, like call number two or three or four, you bring in a design leader from yes. the company to explain the most, uh, the, the, the nitty gritty. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a good process. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. If you could be a designer that speak knows how to speak the sales language, you maybe could be that design leader. That that'll give you the fast track to, be, you know, accelerate your career because that's what worked for me anyway. You know, the people I was working with was like, hey, you know, Zach knows how to you know talk in a sales room too. It's not just he's not pushing pixels and running workshops. He's he, he wants to sell as well, right? So. That helped me out a lot. So going back to what we were saying earlier, if if designers learn sales, learn business, learn marketing, it's not just for themselves. It can make be valuable to others, and I can get paid more. And I want that for yeah. Everybody. It opens a lot more doors. Um, it's like you know, it's there's this joke or this like ongoing theme on the internet. It's like should designers learn to code or should designers code? Right. Uh, but no one is asking should designers know how to sell. Oh man, Eddie, you 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 gotta get me on my soapbox <laughs> because <laughs> I yeah I hate the whole designers. You're exactly right. You know, like oh should designers learn to code and uh, yeah it, it should no oh my gosh like I don't think designers need to learn how to code. I'll start there. Okay, 
do they need to learn business? Do they need to learn strategy? Do they need to learn how to interact with CEOs and COOs? Do they need to know how to write? Do they need to know how to communicate? Yes. Sure, if they want to learn how to code and especially to learn again to communicate with engineers, that's why they should learn how to code. Not to actually do the coding, but learning how to speak and communicate the language. So I, I'm rambling now because you just opened up this trigger for me. But no, seriously, it. oh uh, man, yeah, it's like uh, learn. There's so many other things that designers should learn first before learning how to code. That's where I'll leave it. Yeah, and uh, well, you mentioned communication is for me a priority. Like, if you're super creative and you have the best ideas, no one's gonna know unless you can explain them to the rest of the team. Yeah, I, I hate to break it to designers out there, but you're going to have to sell your idea. I, I know you have this idea in your head that, oh, your design's going to be so great, it's going to explain yourself. Well, that's not the real world. That's never going to happen. People are paying you a lot of money, and I hope they are. And because of that, they want to understand what you're creating, so you're going to have to sell it. So, end of the day, you have to do it, no matter what. Yeah, and... um. Like you said, all right, you can communicate with developers without being a developer. You can learn so, like, the concept of code is not that complicated. You just need to understand logic. And logic is really, you know, a process. So an algorithm is just a machine following a process and taking, sort of like taking decisions, air quotes, um, based on, on certain instructions it's given. You can do this exact same thing with people. When you're managing people, when you become a design manager, you create processes and you establish processes for junior designers for them to follow. And they'll make decisions based on hopefully their best judgment, but also on the training and the processes that you've put in place. Oh, yeah, no, I can agree more. And that's, you know, that's kind of where my career is going is in the sense where I'm just like, I'm focusing, like I was saying earlier, just focusing on building processes, building culture. Because to your point, if you have that ecosystem in place, everyone from the junior designer to the engineer to the marketer, whoever, the people we were talking about earlier, just buy into that those processes and buy into that culture. And it just... The magic that comes out of that stuff is really awesome for me to see. Just other, just other way more talented people than me um, do what they get to do best. That's really awesome. Yeah, at some point, I don't know who... who I was talking to someone recently who said, um, at some point you realize in your career as you, as you mature and um, take a more sort of like management roles, you realize these young kids are doing fantastic things. They're so good. Oh, yeah. Probably way better than than I think this happened to me is like I started as a UX designer and I thought, "Oh, I'm I'm really good at UX." And then as the, as years uh when went by, I started seeing, "Oh my god, these kids are like awesome." I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, They're way better than me. And then your job as a design manager is to sort of like direct that raw talent in the right direction and mentor them and like put those amazing skills um into practice yeah i think a good manager whether it's a designer or otherwise is just is just to elevate other people if you're elevating other people you're doing a good job of being a manager um yeah that's the advice i'd give to people when it comes to management yeah i think this could be a, a great segue for um 
sharing what you know because as a manager a lot of uh, a lot of your role is to mentor younger designers or younger you know developers or whoever is in your team uh in in terms of processes in terms of what's the best um sort of way of navigating client requirements and what's the best way to tackle projects uh would you agree Oh, oh, yeah. I think mentorship. I be, I believe in this cycle of learning and teaching. And I know you recommended Chris Doe's book on, on your website, and I got to learn this from Chris um, a few years ago. Just this cycle: you're learning, you're constantly learning. You should be in your prof- in your profession, whatever it is, and take that and teach it, teach it to the people you're working with, whoever. But if you're creating that cycle. I think a lot of wonderful things will happen again. I think a lot of magic will happen. But yeah, I, long story short, I do agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Chris that tweeted this a while back. It's not from from him, from someone else. And I'm, I'm so sad that I don't remember who that person was. But he posted sort of like, I think it was like a pyramid or something of like learning or like a flow of learning. So there's different steps, different stages of um, deepening your uh, into like the knowledge and the concept. And the first step is sort of like reading about it or like spe- or being exposed to the topic. Then you start doing it. Um, then you start. Um, anyway, the last step is always teaching. Like when you teach it, you have to you have to simplify the concept in terms that or or in a way that other people who are not as as experienced will understand it so you need to understand it very well so you can explain it i think it was also um richard feynman who who used to say something like if you can explain it then you really understand it exactly no yeah i was about to say like it, it's so it's so funny that a lot of juniors or you know people that are just starting a career whatever it is designer whatever are so afraid to like teach and share what they know, but in fact, they're going to be better at what they do, understand what their their craft way more if they just share. And who cares if someone calls you out or whatever? If that's I don't know what you're afraid of. Maybe that's it. But then if you make a mistake or someone says, "Oh, that's not true," then you've learned something again, right? You know. So I've I've been called out with whatever tweet or Instagram. I'm like, cool. I didn't know that. Thank you. Now I do. So just share stuff and people are going to share stuff back with you. We live in this awesome time where you and I, Ed, we're talking right now, we're like a billion hours apart and we're able to, you know, do this because it's just magic, right? So just put yourself out there and meet people. We're talking right now and find other people and share your knowledge. There I am on my soapbox again. But yeah, just get out there. Yeah, it's it's like people take it for granted, but... The fact that now you can communicate with people who know so much more about certain things than you or are experts in different areas and you can talk to them and learn from them. It's just so amazing. And then that wouldn't be able that wouldn't be possible if people weren't willing to share what they know. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, it goes back to that cycle. We, all, we need the people to share what they know. And then we get more people to learn that, and hopefully they share what they know. So let's continue that loop. You know, I, I, I've learned a few things, but I feel that I still got so much more to learn. I'm making the mistake pretty much every day, dozens. You know, so make those mistakes, share them, share your failures, learn from them, and then people are going to learn from you, and hopefully they'll spread it on. And that's, you know, how we're going to all get better. Yeah. And, and like you were saying, don't be afraid of changing your mind about exactly. something. 
if anything, be grateful that someone um, help you better understand a concept that you were wrong about. Uh, you cannot, you're, no one's 100% uh, right about anything. So we're just learning as we go. And the exactly. more we share with others, the more we exchange those ideas, um, the more we all grow. Just be a humble, nice person that's looking to help others. It's amazing how far that will get you. Not just in design, but in life. Just that's that's those are the kind of people I try to work with. Just nice, humble people that want to teach me something and let me teach them something. Yeah, that's another quotable um, segment right there. Perfect. Um, I'm adding the, uh, I'll add to the tweet list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that tweet storm. Yeah, totally. uh, talking about sharing what you know. You have a you started a YouTube channel um, in which you talk about strategy and your career as a designer among other stuff. Can you tell us a bit more about that? The YouTube channel. Yep. That, oh, uh, yeah. I started it a couple of years ago, or maybe even less. I've lost concept of time since we've been <laughs> in the pandemic. Uh, I fully admit that I haven't spend much time on it recently and it's just been really just locked into my work uh especially this year you know there was a lot of changes in the company um our the company i work for you know working from home so we you know i just really had to be heads down focusing on helping my team be successful you know and helping our company be successful but the youtube channel itself yeah i would just focus you know just focus on ways to again just teach people what I've been all the teach people to learn from all the mistakes that I was making, um, as a strategist, as a workshopper, as a designer, that's pretty much the idea for the channel. I haven't made a video in a long time. Thank you, Ed, for bringing that up. I should probably do that again pretty, pretty <laughs> soon, but yeah, that's what the YouTube channel is about. Yeah. You can read your tweet storm on live on YouTube. <laughs> that's a brilliant idea. That's going to be the first thing I'm going to do is read my tweet storm on YouTube. Yeah. You also have um you also have a uh, some writing some medium, right? Yeah, that's that's a little bit more recent. I've found myself being able just to write more cuz there's less setup, right, and effort <laughs> to write uh than to make a video. So yeah, I I've I've uh, had an opportunity to write a few articles and yeah, that's always been fun to again just share share my thoughts in written form on medium, yeah. Yeah, I feel like sometimes, you know, going back to this theme of sharing what you know, another thing that people are afraid of is, or they think it's as an objection um, against sharing is that, oh, why do I have to teach to other people? And the answer is everything you know. Yeah. Because there was a point in your life where you didn't know what you know today. Mm -hmm. And I can assure you there's a lot of people out there who still don't know it. So exactly. if you share it, you make it easier for them to advance in their careers. And then everyone, um, we just make for, for, we build community and that just benefits everyone better trained designers. No, I, you're making an awesome point. And, um, it kind of reminds me of that imposter syndrome that a lot of, I think people have in general, they were like, Oh, I'm not good enough to teach. I'm not good enough to share what I know. And I think you make a great point that, there's at least one person out there that will benefit from your medium article or your YouTube posts or your tweet or your Instagram carousel, right? If you just reach one person, then you've made the world a little bit better today. Um, you know, so 
I understand the imposter syndrome. I've I've had to get over that. I'm not entirely over it. I don't think I ever will be. Um, but just look at it as a way, like you said, Ed, you're just being part of a community, an active community, and it's just going through that cycle that I keep talking about. Um, and don't don't worry about again sounding like a fool or anything. Yeah, what's obvious know. to you and and to your inner circles exactly. might be totally mind blowing to to someone outside your circle. Yeah, no, I I agree. And sometimes, you know, when you're in it, you know, and your head's down, you're doing the work, and you're running the workshops for me, or you know, helping with the research, whatever. If I talk about a a design sprint to another designer, they might have no idea what I'm talking about, or a workshop, or what's a you know quality, what's qualitative research. You know, I didn't know, to your point, I had no idea what any of these things were like this time three years ago, four years ago, whatever, right? So I had to go and figure it out, to go and learn it. So, yeah, to your point, not everyone knows what you know. Yeah, and then if everyone that advances their career shares, you just make it easier for junior people to, like, learn faster. Because if for you, I don't know, like, for me, there's a few concepts that took me a lot of time to understand through, you know working with clients, working with people, just, you know, doing the, doing the work. And these are things that if someone had explained to me, like, like the the insight came afterwards, but if someone had explained to me that at the beginning of the, um, of this time, I would have made not even have the mistakes I did. Yeah, no, I I think it's a good point. It makes me think of another problem I see when it comes to kind of this idea of sharing is that there's a lot of experienced designers or creative professionals or whoever that are have this mentality. Well, if I share it, then my big secrets exposed and, uh, you know, like everyone's going to see the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Right. And it's like, who cares about that stuff anymore? Anyways, one and like, no, you're not so special. Like you're it, breaking news, like the techniques and the processes and everything that you do is not special for you. We're all doing it. We're all running the same processes and doing the same thing. So just share your personal experiences. That's all. You, I mean, so I, 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 I just brings up a pet peeve of mine. I see a lot of designers that are protecting their processes, like you know that something we don't know and no, no one's allowed to know it. Oh my God, that's so funny. This That's a recurring theme in the podcast as well. Um, people who have this fear of sharing because of competition and that someone's exactly. going to take their jobs. It's like, like let, let's just like make something clear. Um, you don't really have any special process. You, you don't really no. have any like magical solution for everything, I can assure you. Um, and even if you did then you should write a book about it and you're going to get a lot of, you're going to get to reap the benefits of that new breakthrough that you came up. No, that's a, that's a really good point. If you have something that's that special, exactly right. Go write about it or yeah, go make a lot of money with this special thing. And then I'll learn from you and share it. And then we'll just keep the cycle going in a different way. And another thing I wanted to speak to uh, on this kind of like hoarding, I'm going to call it that. It's okay. There's plenty when it comes to competition. In my opinion, the you know, pandemic might have changed a lot of things, but there's still a lot of fish in the sea when it comes to design work and creative work. I mean, for you UX designers out there, have you seen the websites and apps out there? There's plenty of crap for us to fix. So there's plenty of work out there. There really is. So don't 
Uh, my advice to anyone listening, don't worry about the competition and not having enough work. If you're good and you sell yourself well, you're going to get work. There's a lot of great work out there and people, people need what we do. Yeah. As long as there's crappy software out there, yeah. there's, there's going to be a job for you. Yeah. I was just, I was just looking at a website, you know, today, right before I started talking to you, I was like, what, what is this? I, I don't want to mention a name, but a big organization was looking to make a lot of money off their website and it's awful. So and like, they're probably making a lot of money out of their the, website. I know exactly. That's the thing. They're probably like, hey, everything's fine. But uh, someone like us, Ed, who came in and said, Hey, yeah, I'm sure you're making a hundred million right now, but you could probably be making 500 million if you fix these UX issues. You know, no one's probably told them that. So the, uh, the works out there. And then you just charge them five to 10% of I know. Nothing. <laughs> that exit. And they're going to be so grateful. <laughs> exactly. And for you, you're going to go and buy the latest Tesla model. If you that's the, that's the roadmap. That's all you're going to do. Find a crappy website, 10 exit, make your little piece of the pie and drive a Tesla. That's, the, that's what we need to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Um, also, um, Okay, we, we've been talking about this, sharing uh, what you know, and I also want to talk about the growth mindset, um, because I think part of sharing what you know is, or sharing what you know is part of the growing mindset, but I think yeah. it's, I, it's bigger than that. It's about you always learning more and you always trying to grow, not only to accelerate your career, which of course is a great motivation, but also for you to better understand your craft. Oh yeah, no, it goes back to, to, this is a great topic and because it goes back to what I was saying earlier, where like there's a lot of designers that are in love with their processes and their ways where the growth, the growth mindset to me means that you're constantly working on your process and how you do things. And are you adding new techniques, new exercises, new methods, mindsets? You know, I drive some, I think I drive my colleagues crazy sometimes because, because I'm always like, Hey, let's try this new workshop or this new process or this new thing. Cause I'm like, this is good, but it could be better. I use an analogy with my colleagues. Like we, we won that game by 10 points. I want to win it by 20 next time. I, I used to be a basketball coach and basketball player. So I always reference that. I'm like, that, that was a nice win. I want to win by more next time. I want the process to be even better. I want us to be even better. So that, that to me, that's a growth mindset. That's what it makes me think of. Yeah, sometimes good enough is not good enough. Right, exactly. Well, yeah. sometimes it is, but sometimes you can just make things better. Yeah. Yeah, to, to me, there, that's a really good point. And I think there's times where good enough is good enough. And to me, for example, uh, an MVP or uh, a, a good prototype, it's okay to leave your perfection at the door and ship it. Um, that's a probably a whole separate, separate topic, obviously. But to me, I think the processes can constantly per be perfected. That's what I pursue is like, can we make our UX process better? My UX process better. And the answer is always, yes, it can always be a tweak. It can always be refined. And like we were talking about earlier, it could, oh, we could always find different ways to serve the stakeholders, the clients, and the problems we're working on, because there's always going to be new problems. There's always going to be new stakeholders wanting new things. So we need to build processes for that. Yeah, talking about improving processes and like the this analogy we made between processes and logic before. Mm -hmm. There's definitely always room for improvement in the in the field of you know processes and making processes mm -hmm. otherwise google wouldn't be updating their search algorithm a hundred times plus yeah. a year 
if they keep doing that after being one of the most, um, you know, one of, one of the tech giants in the world, one of the most successful companies in the world is because they always find new things to add to their algorithm, which ultimately is just logic applied to, um, machines or, ma yeah. or machine supply and logic. So if they always find something to improve, you can for sure keep improving your, your process. Well, that's a great example. Google is the perfect example of a company that could have said, Oh, well, we're done here. We got this all figured out and just everyone's going to search and that's that. But they, yeah, you're right. They're constantly like, how can we make this better? And they fail plenty of times. Have you seen Gmail recently? Of course. I mean, it's not great. It could be better. And they know it. And they're going to make it better, to your point, because they're finding new ways to innovate and, and grow. And all of your favorite tech companies out there, that's what they're doing. You know, if, you know the Apples, the Facebooks, the Netflixes, that's what they're doing. Amazon. Yeah. yeah it's all it's all the growth mindset. Like, they definitely have the growth mindset. Oh, yeah. Maybe too much. <laughs> You could definitely argue that. I feel at some point Amazon's going to own the world. I think it's definitely on its way. But yeah, to your point, I mean, the reason why they're on that track is because they're never satisfied um, with their business model, with their business processes, and their business results. You know, they're. You know, I think that could be dangerous. Um, it, to your point, it was probably a whole other podcast we could have on the ethics of growth <laughs> and the growth mindset, but. Um, you know, especially if you're a young designer or startup, you, I think that's a good place to start innovation and growth. Oh yeah. The, uh, the ethics of, um, growing, like at some point growth for the, sh f just for the sake of growth, I don't think it's a hundred percent exactly good for everyone. Um, I mean, viruses leave just to grow. And yeah. they're, and they're not good. And no. like, you know, just look at 2020. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. I think I, I read somewhere, I can't remember where I read this and it was a little while ago, but I read somewhere that I think Japan actively intentionally always tries to be like the number two or number three economy. You know, in other words, they're never trying, they never like their mindset is like, we want to sustain and make sure we have a viable economy, but it's not always grow, grow, grow to the point where it's like eating itself, you know? So I thought that was really interesting when I was reading about, oh, okay, well, there is, there's a whole country that's not obsessed with growth, basically. I thought that was interesting. I'm rambling yeah, at this also point. I can't even <laughs> reference the article. I, was reading. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I think this has been a pretty awesome conversation, Zach. Um, we talked a lot about uh, sharing, which I th it's a it's a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, I want to thank you again so much for yeah. coming on the podcast and sharing your experience and what you've learned in your career. Um, where can we people go to connect with you, ask you questions, be friends? Yeah, I think the the easiest way to start to find me on social media is actually just on my website, zachhill.io, uh, Z-A-C-H, not K. Um, yeah, and uh, there I have my Dribble, my Twitter, my Instagram, and my LinkedIn, I think. Not my LinkedIn. I don't know. I have my social media there. Um, so I would start there, zachhill.io, and you can find all my socials from there. It's basically not even a website. It's just my socials and my name. Yeah, I'll I'll make sure to include those links in the in the uh, show description, so people can go and just click. It's a lot. 
easier, but I'm here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, and yeah. Thanks again. Um, of course. And enjoy your evening. For me, I don't know if you realize, but now it's like I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to see like some <laughs> sun, some light out there. No, yeah. Enjoy yeah. The, your morning. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, it was a it was a pleasure, Zach. Um, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. I appreciate you, Ed, and hopefully, yeah, we'll we'll keep chatting again in the future. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye.